today. New charges filed in George Floyd's death and much more fallout from the riots. We've got a lot coming up and it starts right now. Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. I'm Sarah Gonzalez, today joined by Jason Buttrell, chief researcher of the Glenn Beck program, fresh with a new tattoo. Right? It's, nope. Yeah, well, it is. It. It's No, you, he has no idea what he's doing with it. Looks <laughs> Thank you, Jason, for taking 10 minutes to show your tattoo <laughs> very quickly. You, you know, when I left, we had nothing to talk about, and we were getting sick of talking about coronavirus. And I'm like, when I come back, there's going to be something better to talk about. And I was wrong. Yeah, you were wrong. There's yeah. something different. It, ju- it just keeps getting worse oh, and gosh, worse. Uh, bottom of the barrel at this point. Uh, also joined by Blaze TV contributor Josh Hammer. Back in the house, second day in a row. Sarah, the world is a crumbling, but I am seeking refuge on this podcast. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. We hope to give you that. I'm not, I'm not quite sure, though. I don't know. That's a lot of pressure. Uh, also, Tim Young, Hi. back in the house, in studio. I have nothing better to do. I'm just... The Washington Times. on the streets, and you were like... Come in here. We've got snacks in the hallway. And I'm like, fine, it's cool. I got a tattoo, too. But, you know, your arm is way more shaved than mine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So a lot has happened. Actually, like, as of the time of this taping, there was still kind of more news trickling out of today's news cycle. But... So far, again, as of the time time of this taping, uh, new charges filed in George Floyd's death, um, not just the three other officers. So the three other officers that were seen in the video of his death, they have been uh, they have been charged with aiding and abetting. Um, But the original officer who was charged, Derek Chauvin, Chauvin, I don't know how you say it. Derek Chauvin, uh, he was originally charged with third-degree murder and manslaughter. They've kept those charges, but they've also added an additional charge of second-degree murder. Um, I want to get all of your thoughts, gentlemen. But first, I'd like to go to the attorney, (laughs) the in-house attorney, to tell us uh, what the difference is. Because it seems like there are very subtle nuances when it comes to second-degree murder and third-degree murder. He's being charged with both right now, from what I understand. But what, what are the differences here, Josh? Sure. So, Sarah, in full disclosure to the viewers, I'm only barred in Texas. I am not barred in Minnesota. But what, you, what every first-year law student learns is that in criminal law, you have, you, you have two things. One is called, it's based on Latin. These are old laws. You have the actus reus, which is the physical act, and then the mens rea, which is the intention of the criminal. is what the mindset was at the time that, that, that the crime or alleged crime was conducted. So in homicide cases, you have three general categories of homicide. You have murder, which is the most severe, manslaughter, and then most jurisdictions also have negligent homicide. Within each of those three categories, you have first, second, and third degree. So here they've tacked on second degree murder in addition to third degree. Obviously, as you said, the manslaughter charge is still there as well. So if I understand Minnesota law correctly, the difference between third degree murder and second degree murder is a mens rea distinction. So it's an intention distinction. First degree murder, as it is in most jurisdictions, entails premeditation. You Mm -hmm. thought this out, you planned it out, you did all the relevant things that such a horrific person would do. Second degree is it's still intentional. Um, so, the, so the difference between first and second degree is the premeditation part, but it's, it's still an intentional act. Okay. Third degree, you lose intentionality. So you, you're acting utterly recklessly with, with a depraved state of mind, is the language in the Minnesota Criminal Code, but you lose the intentionality. So here they've just basically said this was intentional. Like he intended huh. to cause George Floyd's death. That's basically what they're trying to do. Wow. 
Uh, that'll be interesting to see if that if that sticks, Jason. Uh, I, I, of course, knew all about that. I was I was just letting he you took, take he the, took the words right out of your mouth. Right. Take it for all of us. Um, I think they're going to have a hard time proving second degree murder. Just just looking at it, I have a hard time believing that he just did that and said, I'm going to kill this guy in front of all. You're these saying people. based off of the tape, based off right? Because the there could be more information that we don't sure, know about sure. that they've already seen. Um, but I'm so I don't know really what to say about that. Um, I know Attorney General Ellison is uh, is going for this, and I know he's going to going to go way, way, way overboard on this. I'm not, I'm not saying that this uh, cop doesn't deserve it. I think everybody in the country uh, didn't deserve to be arrested and charged right. um, with something. But I know Ellison is going to really push the bounds on this. I'm glad that the other cops are um, have been added on to this because, you know, this whole thing took about eight minutes. Uh, he was unresponsive for three minutes. Mm-hmm. So he's laying there, and I don't know if you guys have read the uh, transcript, but it's absolutely insane. He's calling for his mama. Yeah. Uh, he's saying, you're going to kill me. I can't... Bri-. Look, I'm sorry. They all heard that. They, they must have all heard that. They all deserve to face the music on some of this. So I'm, I'm glad that the other cops are added in. I don't... We'll have to wait and see as far as... I'll, I, I think that, that, I think that the, the court will play that out. Mm-hmm. I, I think that the justice will come through. But I think the point is that justice is being done here. Justice is being done. It's all agreed. It's there's mutual agreement. We all agree with this. Um, I can't. I don't think I've heard anyone that has said, "Oh no, well, let's take a look." This is the big difference in like some of the, uh, uh, you know, like uh, the, uh, what was the guy in Ferguson, uh, Michael Brown, Michael Brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Rodney King, like all of those. Like we had similar, uh, you know, outbursts. Sorry, I haven't had a lot of things to say on this because I've been gone for a week. <laughs> but you know, there's there's been a lot. Of, there there was always questions in those. Like what was the con- what really was the uh, you know the conduct of of Rodney King? You know, there was some other things came out about that. What was the conduct of Michael Brown? And we find out that a bunch of the stuff didn't even happen. Like the hands up, you know, don't shoot. That that was a that was a farce. That didn't even happen. Tell half the country that, by the way, because that's still a still sign that you see every one of yeah. these protests exactly. and it's never been clarified. Yeah. To, at these protests, they're like doing the hands up, don't shoot. I'm like, what are you doing? Um, there's no questions at all on this one. These cops are guilty, and we'll see how far that goes in the courts. Well, innocent until proven guilty, as far as the court goes legally. But I do find it interesting, you know, Jason, Tim, Jason said that everyone is kind of in agreement and there's no kind of uh, nuance that people are getting caught up in. I've seen some people, though, talk about the recent autopsy report that came out that showed that there were, you know, what was it, methamphetamines and something else that were in his system. So doesn't matter. To use so, it. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you, but I'm just saying I've, I have seen that being used as, a, you know, a reason to say, well, maybe he was just, you know, sometimes you get extra strong when you're taking these drugs. You get extra bold. Maybe that's the case. And I'm like, I, I, just, I don't see a reason to kneel on his neck. No, and not for seven or and eight minutes or however long that is. I, I've right. only... Honestly, I've only seen clips of the, the video because I cannot watch. I can't stomach that video. Yeah. Or it's horrible. Um, I'm, I guessed second-degree murder before they gave him the charges originally. I'm surprised they went with third-degree murder. That's more of a uh, hit-and-run thing. By the way, I have a law degree I don't use, just FYI. Um, second-degree is more wanton disregard of human life when things are in the heat of the moment. That was clearly what was going on. I'm so glad these other cops were charged, especially the guy who is like, you know, has hands on his shoulders and kind of like staring at the crowd while the crowd is like screaming, oh my gosh, you're going to kill him. Yeah. Um, and also the cops that were also on his back. It wasn't just the one guy on his neck. There were the other two cops there. His bowels released when he died. Mm-hmm. And you could see it. Mm-hmm. And they had to know something was going on. All, th- all four of those guys, they can burn for all I care at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Josh, you gave us the, uh, the, the distinctions, but what are your thoughts on this? 
So before I kind of getting back into that, I just want to emphasize what Jason said because it's so important. I mean, I said, this, I said the same thing in the podcast yesterday. The, the whole country is unified as to the utter disgrace, the gross injustice that happened here. And, and you can hear that from all of our voices. And, and Tim saying they can all burn hell. Jay, we're all on the same page here. Every conservative, every liberal, no matter what your political persuasion is, we are all on the same page to what happened here based on the law, the facts, everything is indefensible. Utterly indefensible. And again, what happened to Trayvon Martin and George Zimmerman in Florida, where it, was, it was a legal dispute about stand your ground. I mean, that was a, that was a big debate at the time, was that the NRA stand your ground? That was what was going on. And with, with uh, uh, Michael Brown and, and Ferguson, obviously the hands up, don't shoot. So there was a factual dispute. There's, there's, no, there's no legal or factual dispute here. We're, so we all want to see justice done properly. Um, as far as the nature of the charge is concerned, the one thing that I'll just point out and emphasize um, prosecution is also an inherently political act. Um, prosecutors are elected, okay? Your attorney general in every state, Ken Paxson here in Texas, is an elected official. Mm-hmm. Um, the attorney general of the United States is, is a partisan. He, he or she is um, the you know, subsidiary of the, of the president who him or herself is elected. So in this case, Keith Ellison is obviously um, looking out, he's trying to charge according to his own political interests. Um, and, and, and that is obviously on the minds of every prosecutor across the country. A, a lot of times these kind of um, anti-law and order prosecutors, especially yeah, like you know the, the DAs out in like California, a lot of these leftist jurisdictions choose not to prosecute crimes for their own political interests. Ooh, the he, one out of San Francisco is it's a total nut job. Oh my god! I mean, literally a student of like, of like Hugo Chavez in Venezuela, like yeah. a total like Marxist nutter. Weather like, underground, yeah. son of uh, I don't right. I don't want to prosecute yeah. for the sins of the parents, but I yeah. mean. But the only thing don't fall far from it. <laughs> yeah, not in that case. But but here Keith Keith Ellison obviously is looking out for his own interests here, and here his political interests are on to err on the side of over prosecuting rather than under prosecuting. So I think that's probably what's going on here. Well. And the real problem here, too, is uh, getting a mistrial. I mean, can you get a fair jury in, in this case? If you're the defense attorney, you're going to say you cannot get a fair jury. Mm-hmm. And then if you take a look at Keith Ellison, you try to get a mistrial because of the, the political motivations behind it. So I, it's going to be real hard to convict these cops, oh even gosh. though it's very clear what happened. Yeah. That would be the worst case scenario. If there's something like that, like a mistrial, oh, my gosh. That would be awful. I also saw, um, and I'm, you guys may be able to speak to this uh, better than I can, but I also saw that there were some experts that were saying that the, the just the mere fact that there are two opt- autopsy reports now with conflicting information might actually work in the defense's favor because it's going to to lead to some doubt in in the jury's minds of, well, wait a second, which one is right? We've got this one over here talking about asphyxiation. We've got this one over here that's not. Which one do I believe? I don't know. There's your doubt. Uh, I mean, it, that sounds reasonable to me, Josh. Yeah, that seems reasonable to me, too. Um, I mean, uh, when the autopsy reports are in doubt, that will redound to the defense's interest. And, that, and that's unfortunate because, you know, obviously, if you're the family, you want an independent autopsy done. And to know that that might work against you in the court is just, that's, that's I, heartbreaking. That's I really fear that, that these guys are not going to get convicted. I, I just, oh, that's, it's all leaning that way. If you really take a look at how, how a court would rule in this favor, and, and in the favor of the defendant here, and, and that jury, again, there's no way you're going to get an unbiased jury pull at this point. Cops getting convicted, by the way, just a quick point, is very rare. Yeah, it's, it's exceedingly hard. rare in this country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but, Jason. I'm just, I went to the law school of the Rainmaker uh, with uh, Matt Damon. <laughs> really? And, uh, I don't think I've heard of, <laughs> I think I've heard of that one. <laughs> um, but I just remind me when you guys were talking about that at the very end how the jury was swayed when they saw the video of the boy in, in that movie where he was giving like his last you know comments before he died there's video of this i mean this is like if i'm on that jury i mean yeah. come on it it tells all there's like no question in my mind and i'm always a big skeptic on everything on these things i'm like right, let's hang back 
I don't know. I'm convinced 100% on this. And, and I mean, I would like to just just reiterate, you know, you saw the uh, the tattoo that Jason showed at the beginning of the show. He's not he's not like a he doesn't hate law enforcement. No. I'll put it that way. <laughs> no. He, he is not someone who is like, screw authority, man. I mean, you are a big supporter of law enforcement, as I think we all are at the mm. table. So I went to law school okay. in Baltimore, and I learned how dirty Baltimore City cops are. So law enforcement in general, yes. Baltimore City, not so much. Okay. But law enforcement in general. You went Josh, to law school The you, Wire, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, I know that you've been very clear yeah. uh, in the recent, recent sure. podcast that you're a huge supporter of law enforcement. But within that, we have to make sure that we're calling out the bad ones so that we can keep the good ones, mm. you know, to maintain credibility. It's not just an issue of credibility. It's, a, it's, a, it's an issue of justice. Yeah. Ju- justice has to be done in this case. Yeah. Jason, but Jason, please, for the record, law enforcement, big supporter. That doesn't mean that you can't criticize the ones that oh, yeah. deserve criticism. As an institution, back to blue, true, and true, like all the way I am, I, uh, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that there's a there's a narrative going around that's starting to win. Even George W. Bush today put out I don't know if you guys read that his statement, and I was like, "What are you doing, Dub?" No, like, I didn't. Th- there was that. A, he's like talking about systemic racism. I'm really? like, there is not systemic wow. racism within the within police departments around the country. Mm-mm. I'm sorry, there's not. Mm-hmm. And the, the, we the can't data just don't back that, that up. No, yeah. it doesn't. No, the, it does not. I mean, well, there was nine uh, unarmed black men that killed last year. Nineteen uh, white people were killed last year. Um, a, a study in 2015 by the Justice Department showed that um, that uh, white cops were less likely to shoot an unarmed black suspect than black and Hispanic cops. Read the data. Yes. In this day and age, it's all out there. You have to read it. Don't fall for these stupid narratives. Systemic also, racism. not to take it too far too far off the rails here, but when you take a look at where everyone who's screaming about systemic racism, it's usually Democrats other than George W. Bush. <laughs> and in cities where Democrats have been in charge for 50, 60 yeah. years, they are the right. system. Right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, calling out themselves finally. Yeah, yeah. yeah no. One can only hope. Uh, all right, we've got a lot more coming up, more fallout from the riots across the country. First, we want to thank our sponsor, NetSuite. So, uh, America, I know you guys, if you have not been opened up yet, if you are in an economy that has not been opened up yet, you are ready to get back to work. But in order to win in this new economy, you need to every advantage to succeed, right? Especially because we've been down for what? Eight weeks, 10 weeks, I don't know, it feels like 50 years. But smart companies run on NetSuite by Oracle. It is the world's number one cloud business system. Uh, With NetSuite, you can have visibility and control over all of your different programs that you're using to manage your business. Probably you have a hodgepodge right now of a bunch of different programs. You've got finances, HR, inventory, e-commerce. They're all separate and they're not working together. They're not talking to one another. Uh, Oracle, NetSuite's Oracle NetSuite solves that problem. I can't talk today, but it's okay. We're going to get through this together. Uh, Whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in sales, NetSuite lets you manage every penny with precision. Uh, And by the way, it is in the cloud, so you can access it whether or not you are in the office, if you're working from home, uh, wherever you're at, you can run your entire company just by your phone. Join over 20,000 companies who trust NetSuite to make it happen. Uh, And by the way, NetSuite surveyed hundreds of business leaders and assembled a playbook of the top strategies they're using as America reopens for business right now. You can get that free guide. It's called Seven Actions Businesses Need to Take Right Now. Schedule your free product tour also. All you have to do is go to netsuite.com slash why. Again, it's a free guide. So, I mean, if you're not in the business of making money, I don't know why you own a business. Otherwise, you got to go here, get the free guide and the free product tour you can schedule right now at netsuite.com slash W-H-Y. 
We're talking about all of these riots going on across the country and the fallout from it. I know, Josh, yesterday we talked about uh, President Trump's reaction. Finally, he came out. He gave a statement about the riots. He did make it very clear that um, if the states do not get everything in order, if they cannot handle it, that he will come in with uh, with the military invoking the Insurrection Act. Um, but today, Defense Secretary Esper is breaking with Trump on using the military to police the rioters. He says he does not agree with invoking the Insurrection Act. Uh, Jason, I know this was kind of a, a hot topic for you. Well, I think the media is kind of taking this a little bit too far. Um, the president, I believe, is doing this as he should be doing it, which is saying, look, if you guys don't get your houses in order, you're going to force me into this. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the way I read it. He's not saying I'm, in, I'm invoking the Insurrection Act and I'm sending in the troops. He yeah. didn't say that. No, and didn't. Esper is basically saying the same thing. We're not at the point yet. Um, constitutionally, unless uh, the Constitution nerd's going to shoot me down, <laughs> I believe this is fully constitutional for the president to do. Mm-hmm. Jefferson, I believe, wrote this in. Um, it's, it's fully constitutional for him to do. Um, but it's kind of like the, I mean, it's kind of like maybe liken it to like some of the coronavirus lockdowns. You know what I mean? Like, it has to be justified. Mm-hmm. It has to be justified. Mm-hmm. And I, if it's not justified, if he just goes in, then we can do something about that. You know what I mean? But I, I think the media was taking this to a spot where it's not, which is typical of what the media does. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm shocked you're trying to tell me that <laughs> right. the media is trying to pit people against Trump to make it sound like he has no clue what he's talking about at any given point in time. Right. It, wow. It's kind of similar to uh, what Cuomo did to Blasio yesterday. You know what I mean? Cuomo was like, look, get your crap in order or I'm going to have to step in. Which is really, uh, the way I'm seeing that work is the way America's supposed to work. It starts at the local level, then if you choose the, or show that you can't handle it, then it goes to the next step up, and then on and on and on. We don't want it going to that final step. Because yeah. when the federal government gets involved, then everything goes haywire. Yeah, uh, Josh, what are your thoughts on President Trump? Uh, I guess, I shouldn't say threatening. I was going to say threatening to invoke that act. But warning, maybe cautioning would mm. be a, a, better, a better word for that. Yeah, so... What he's trying to do is induce the governors and the mayors to take care of their own streets. Um, and, and, and he's trying to issue a credible threat to induce action on their reports so that he won't actually have to do what he is. I think I think threatening is a fine word. He's, I think, threatening to okay. do. Um, Jason's point is also an important one, though. There's really not much of a difference here bet- so far between Esper and the president. Now, query whether Esper was uh, whether it was prudent for him to speak up like that um, it, behind closed doors, totally lobby, right. say whatever right. you want going public like that. Not a great look, in my opinion, honestly. Yeah, and, and to be clear, like the president is in charge of Article two of the, of the entire executive branch. And if it, there were to ever be a situation where the secretary of defense will not abide by the president, then he has to be fired. That, that is constitutionally how that works. We're, we are obviously not there yet. I'm not calling for Esper to be fired or anything. Um, but yeah, Thomas Jefferson, who's not exactly known for his love of monarchy and dictatorship, <laughs> signed, signed the Insurrection Act into law in 1807. It has been used throughout our history. There are some people saying that the Posse Comitatus Act of 1878, like, which was passed later in time, mm-hmm. says that you can't ever do this. That's actually not right. If you go back and review the text of the Posse Comitatus Act, it says, except basically for other like clear statutory and constitutional grants. There's also an obscure constitutional provision buried deep in Article 4. Uh, the Republican form of government clause, which technically means the federal government is constitutionally obligated to ensure that each state has a, quote, Republican form of government if the states cannot themselves ensure that. Um, again, we're not there yet, though. All the president's doing is putting this on the table. He's issuing a credible threat to try and induce action. This is how federalism is supposed to work, by the way. Mm-hmm. The, the, the states and the, and the federal government are supposed to 
basically threaten each other to induce action. That is the tension upon which our entire constitutional order is constructed. I, I just last point on that. I, I think it's very healthy for every American to question any time the word Insurrection Act is brought up, even if it may be needed at certain, a certain point in time. Like, especially from probably most of the people sitting at this table and think like us, you should always question every single time that's yeah, brought up in, or to be invoked. Yeah, uh, You know, it's interesting if there is an insurrection that's being attempted right now, um, if there is an organized group that's trying to overthrow the government right now. And every time I'm on your show, Sarah. I turn into a crazy tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy. <laughs> it's what theory. we do here, apparently. <laughs> but before I came in today, I saw another like half dozen videos of bricks being delivered in the yeah. middle of cities, in the middle of nowhere. This is organized, and it's all happening at the same time. They were just waiting for something to pop off. Yeah. So I think that this will not be. I don't think he will actually use the insurrection act. I don't think the military is going to go in. He did show what he can do though in Washington D.C. and he rolled in troops just for the optics. Uh, but. Uh, something's going on here, and I think we'll figure that out down the road when this investigation, you know, kind of works its way out. Jason, you are, uh, you're, you're the researcher here, right, at Blaze TV. Have you looked into this, the BRICS, the BRICS situation? Yes. We, can, what can you tell us? Well, so I can't tell you much because oh. that's the topic of next Wednesday's oh. show. Um, but uh, you don't need to know. <laughs> Glenn Beck does not get the exclusive. We should get the exclusive here. All right, he's not here in studio. Um, we we have. Let me just say multiple sources within within those movements, and we're just waiting on one little piece of information uh, to tie all that together. But absolutely, I was I, I will say right now that there absolutely is an insurrection. Um, there's uh, Antifa now. We've been we've, we've been tapped into a lot of multiple Antifa groups. They've never been more organized than they are right now. Um, their organization structure, how they're moving around, you know, from city to city to city and going into these different places. They're partnered, I would say, temporarily, an uneasy, uneasy partnership with Black Lives Matter. Look, Black Lives Matter, let's remember who Black Lives Matter is. Mm-hmm. Let's not hashtag Black Lives Matter. Let's give, no, let's give them no anything. It, it, it should be back during the Civil Rights Movement. If you want to, like, protest, which I think you should in this case, go to your churches. You know, that's pretty much how it started then. And look how successful it was. You're not going to be successful at this. And the reason why is because Black Lives Matter is a bunch of freaking Marxists. Mm. They're Marxists. Anytime you join into a movement and it's something legitimate, the Marxists should not be holding your flag running out in front. There's going to be something bad every single time. So you have the Marxists, you have the anarchists, communists, whatever the heck, the kids in their mom's basements. This this thing, and I absolutely agree with what you said. I think they've been waiting for something like this Mm -hmm. for probably since... At least 2016, when all of this really started heating up. I think since 2016, first they hoped it was going to be the tax march, then they thought it was going to be the women's march, then they thought it was going to be climate change, and they thought it was going to be coronavirus. Oh, but this case will hijack it, and now's the time to pop off. Oh my God, you just mentioned the tax march, and I feel Remember like it was <laughs> 70 years ago, and I feel like the old lady from the Titanic at the, <laughs> at the beginning of the, of the, the, the movie. Oh, my gosh. Uh, all right, moving on to, you know, we're talking about all of these, the riots, the bricks, how Black Lives Matter has hijacked it. Um, it's, it's a real damn shame, uh, uh, honestly, because we're seeing more people now who have died from the riots, the looting, the chaos and the commotion going on uh, than the death that spawned this entire thing. Uh, Namely, one of them, David Dorn, 77 years old, shot in the torso by looters outside of a pawn shop that he was a security guard for. He was he was being he was a security guard for his friend's pawn shop. 77 years old. Um, I 
I find this to be disturbing. It is blurred. I will let you know. Um, if you have young children, I wouldn't have them in the room anyway. But th- this is blurred. It is very disturbing. And if you find this disturbing, you definitely don't want to go looking for the unedited video that's been all over Twitter. I've been having to like censor my feed and scroll past it because I can't. I can't watch it. Here's a, a little bit of that blurred. Come on, OG, stay with me. Come on, OG. Come on, OG. Come on, OG, stay with me. Come on, OG. Come on, OG. Come on, OG. Come on, OG. Damn, man, I want some TVs, cuz. I want some TVs, man. For real. It's somebody granddaddy, cuz. Man, f- What you trying? What y'all trying to do? You talking about y'all kids, man? I want some TVs, cuz. I want some TVs, cuz. You hear me? That's you can get, cuz. So I think we're seeing in true leftist form, uh, you know, usually when they hijack these uh, organizations and they use them for improper means, we see these two facets come out of the organization. You've got the people who truly believe in the cause who do not mean to go looting and, you know, killing people for a television. And then you've got the people who are just using it to, uh, you know, to get whatever they want or to cause havoc and mischief. Um, I feel like we're seeing that happen now uh, with the looting, with the killing of of people now all of a sudden. But uh, this man, David Dorn, 77 years old, trying to, you know, protect his uh, his friend's pawn shop. And now he is dead over a television. Um, I don't think that's teaching us any lessons about systemic racism, Josh. You know, I saw someone on Twitter starting a GoFundMe for David Dorn's family. Um, I, I have not personally donated. I'm planning to. I would encourage all the viewers to do so as well. Sarah, how many cops have died since it started? It's, it's, it's around like 10, right? Yes. It's, like, it's like low double digits already. Yeah. How is this justice? This, this is third world banana republic anarchy. You know, I, my friend Saul Bamari, the New York Post op-ed editor, had a really, really good and harrowing, frankly, piece at the, at the Post yesterday talking about um, what he called the worst night in New York City since 9-11. And he just described going down to, he lives in Midtown East, 55th and Lexington, or around there are people who are familiar with New York geography, just describing what it was like to look out from the first floor of his building onto the street and having one's heart just beating, looking out into like the smashing in the windows and the looters and the rioters, not sure, are they going to come to my building or are they going to pass us by? Um, this is not America. Um, and you, you know what? I, I don't actually have a super strong policy stance yet on whether it's time right now to send in the troops. As we were about to start filming, Senator Tom Cotton, who obviously, um, you know, uh, is to the left of no one as far as military hawkishness, had a piece go up in The New York Times saying send in the troops. I haven't read it quite yet, but there are people already calling for that. Mm-hmm. Um, if this goes on for that much longer, I, I, will, I will start to be fully, fully supportive of that. That so in New York, there's some of the craziest videos I've been seeing. There was a video, uh, I think it was, was it last night or two nights ago, and maybe you saw this. They had stolen a Rolls Royce and they were driving down the street, and it looked like the Purge movie, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. The exact same time, same night, in um, in Brooklyn, there, there. So there were no cops. There was no nothing on that street. They were just going wild, going crazy, tearing stuff up. But in Brooklyn, on one street, there were cops everywhere. You want to know why? Because there was Jews out wanting to go to prayer. Yep. You see that? They were wanting to go to prayer, and so the police were policing up and down the street, telling them to get back in their houses. Yep. 
I lost my mind when I saw that. That is absolutely insane. It's incredible. Now, obviously, you know, David Dorn, he was a black man. His black life didn't matter to uh, the mm-hmm. movement because they've been silent on this. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing that really gets me with all of these protests, the people, we're seeing some of the arrests come in and the people who they're arresting. It's these people who have their own attorneys, these rich white people from your Berkeleys and from your Ivy League schools who are going out, these attorneys, you know, you've got de Blasio's daughter, these privileged people who didn't get to live their lives in the 60s and be a big, you know, activist then. So they're acting out now and they're committing crimes. And it's not, they're encouraging uh, poorer black people to do things. But it's really these, these liberals, these rich liberals that are getting on my nerves with all this stuff. And they're going to get off because they come packed with their own attorneys and all the money in the world. Mm-hmm. I think Van Jones said something similar. Of course, he was referencing the uh, the woman in Central Park who threatened, you know, or, or I should say called the police and say, saying this African-American man is threatening me uh, on purpose. But he had a, a similar point that I was very fascinated to hear him make that it's it's the rich white liberals that you guys have to be scared of uh, and make sure not to show allegiance to. Uh, All right, we've got more coming up. First, we want to thank our sponsor this segment, Omega XL. So if you are one of many Americans, you just live in pain, right? Maybe you had a car accident or maybe you're like me and you're getting to the age where just you wake up and things hurt and you don't really know why. Uh, Omega XL is the solution for you. It is a natural supplement designed to reduce joint pain and inflammation. So oftentimes you have all of these aches and pains and you don't realize that inflammation is the root cause of them. And, uh, you know, you can try to mask it with some sort of a cream, a pain reliever, whatever you want to rub on there. But that's it. That's just it. It's masking it. It's not actually treating the problem at the root cause. Cause Omega XL goes straight into the inflammation. By the way, it's also backed by 30 years of research. It is very powerful. It also promotes healthy joints and increased mobility. There is truly nothing like it in the world. It comes from uh, the pristine waters of New Zealand. By the way, yeah, it's very, very concentrated. It comes in a tiny capsule, very easy to swallow. Right now, staying healthy is on everyone's mind. So here's another reason to take Omega XL. Uh, It promotes a healthy immune response, studies show. So it can help your natural immune system protect you. Because by the way, coronavirus was still a thing like a week ago. I guess it's not anymore, but I'm pretty sure it was still a thing. Uh, So you still want to make sure your immune system is where it needs to be. You can order right now. Get a second bottle just for free. All you got to do is go to OmegaXL.com slash news. Get that second bottle for free if you go to OmegaXL.com slash news. Iowa votes Steve King out of Congress after nearly two decades. Of course, there were several different elections taking place uh, across the country. But voters in the 4th Congressional District in Iowa, they ousted Steve King. Uh, State Senator Randy Feenstra. Is that how you say it? Feenstra? That's an odd last name. It's okay. I'm not judging, though. Uh, He won the Republican primary contest against King. He beat him with 45.7% of the vote. King just earned 36% of the vote, losing by roughly 8,000 ballots uh, to close out his almost two-decade career in the U.S. House now. Uh, His loss comes after congressional Republicans. I know, again, I feel like every time we talk about something, uh, we reference something that happened not that long ago. It feels like 50 billion years. But this actually (laughs) happened not that long ago. Uh, Congressional Republicans stripped 
him of his committee assignments just last year following some of his comments to the New York Times on white supremacy. Um, He said, white nationalist, white supremacist, Western civilization. How did that language become offensive? He took a lot of heat for that. Uh, There, I, I don't personally know how much that factored into his loss, but... He will be leaving Congress after nearly two decades. Jason, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I, I don't know anything about what if as he I don't know if he's been caught in gaffes like this in the past or if he has a checkered past. Um, it almost sounds to me like he read a tweet where someone was talking about Western culture and it pissed him off that people thought that was a bad thing. And then he just added in like an idiot white supremacy and, and all that other stuff, which is which was bad. I'm probably about to get destroyed after this, but I, <laughs> I, I, I I'm, I'm actually glad that if you're that tone deaf, you know, especially when uh, when the riot is losing is just completely losing the culture war. Mm-hmm. Um, that some of these guys are are going out the door. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's just like, it, it's, it's it boggles my mind how he would even make that statement in the first place without even really knowing what he was talking about. Yeah. I, don't, I had a chance to sit down with Steve King a oh, couple years ago with the Daily Caller, and on camera he was fantastic. And as soon as the camera went off, I can't. He's he's racist as hell. Like he said, <laughs> really? he said awful stuff about people. And it was to the point that my my producer at the time and the intern that was with us, they were like, we should have turned the camera back on. I was like, yeah, that would have been the end of his career. <sighs> he is awful. He's an awful guy. Bye. See ya. He was wow. terrible. Republicans knew this, too, because if he said it to a random journalist who showed up. Can't believe I consider myself a journalist at one point. But a random journalist that shows up and just talks to him. And he's like, I think you get it. And, like, it, we went on this yeah. whole thing. And it starts with Western civilization. And then it goes into knocking black people. It always went down that road. So if he did oh that to gosh. me, the other members of Congress knew that. Mm-hmm. And that's why they censored him. So it's the whole, yeah, no. Bye. See ya. Wow. wow. Josh? Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not trying, to, not trying to follow that one. Um, so, uh, look, I have very briefly met Steve King once at a snowy church in Iowa during the 2016 caucus lead-up. Uh, I didn't, did not have a prolonged interaction. I vaguely remember looking at the New York Times article where that white supremacist quote was from and thinking that it was a possible misquote. But the point is that Steve King over his career has said similar stuff over and over and over again. He had clearly become a liability for the Republican Party. Um, He's not the person you want trying out there. I say that, by the way, as as an unabashed immigration hawk. I am am as hardline as I come on legal immigration, which is Steve King's bread and butter issue. Um, I'm sure Feenstra, if you pronounce the name, will probably vote similarly. It's a very conservative yeah. district. So uh, I expect we'll get similar conservative voting, possibly a little less ethanol, maybe. I mean, it is Iowa, so they're all going to have ethanol. Uh, but hopefully, cons- hopefully similarly conservative voting without all this horrific baggage. It is interesting. Uh, I think some Democrats don't really understand how the process works, and they think that like this was not a primary, but like, the Democrat just won in the general, and they were very, I mean, very excited. That's fine. If you think the guy's a racist, I'm sure that you're excited to see him leave. But I'm like, but doesn't that prove that we're all on the same side when it comes to racism? Oh, yeah. Over and over again. And listen, <laughs> I don't know how after these riots are finally quashed, we aren't, we aren't more together as a country. I mean, you can, you can continue to listen to your MSNBCs and, and your CNNs on the left and, and continue to feed into that fan fiction that Donald Trump is an evil fascist and the whole nine. I think people aren't buying it anymore, and this is going to unite us more than ever before. That's almost a tragedy, really, because I've never seen us all in complete agreement. You know, like, everyone was going the same direction. Mm -hmm. So this was such a great opportunity. Like, I personally don't think that there's, you know, I don't believe in systemic racism in the police departments. Mm -hmm. There's many people that do, and I think that everyone needs to be heard. 
Um, and I think the I think one of the bad things is that we just kind of turn a blind eye and we we don't listen to certain. I think people. a lot of people don't understand what systemic racism means. Yeah, well, it's on. So basically. Racists are falling out of the sky. Like right. it's it, like the police departments are infested with racists. Yeah. Who believes that? Yeah. I, I, I don't. I think the vast majority of people don't believe that. And if they if they're if they're pushing that, then they're going after an agenda. What does the term yeah. literally mean on on the next level though? Because police departments are local. They're local jurisdictions. So to say systemic racism, you have to think that there's some like overarching entity controlling yeah. all the police departments. I and mean, that's some conspiratorial crap. I mean, that's mm-hmm. how you get into like anti-Semitic conspiracy theories, like, yes. like the Jews controlling this, or whatever. I mean. No one who is a sane individual can like actually believe that, right? Well, I mean, but that's what you think. But I've gotten, I did a um, a YouTube video on my YouTube, Sarah Gonzalez Unfiltered. By the way, you should go subscribe if you haven't already. But um, I was doing a video and there are people who they're just, they're so sure no systemic racism exists. And I'm like, well, but could you like maybe add some factual basis to what you're saying? And it's always just like, well, I'm black and I got pulled over by the cops a lot. And I'm like, well, but that doesn't, that's right. not an, a statistic that you can use. A personal anecdote is not a statistic that you can use to back up the claim of systemic racism. Like, that's a, that's a real thing. That's not just an individual anecdote. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. Yeah, I, I guess I guess that's right. Um, I, I mean, I mentioned the podcast yesterday. Heather McDonald had a Wall Street Journal op-ed yesterday that I, I, I think just debunked this narrative, um, frankly. Um, but, you know, I, as we also, have to, as we said in the podcast yesterday as well, the facts are only relevant to a certain extent. Um, we have to listen when people think whether the facts justify or not that there is systemic racism. And like, we actually need to like, lend an ear. We, we need to ultimately get solutions on the table together. Yeah. Uh, all right. We've got more to come. First, we want to thank our sponsor, this segment, Ashford University. Uh, so we've all got dreams, right? Uh, you've got the small ones that you can talk about all day. But the big ones, the ones you really want, you don't want to say it out loud because if you do, maybe it doesn't come true. Like you're blowing out the candles on a birthday cake and you're like, I can't tell anyone what it is because I'm going to be embarrassed if I don't get it, if I don't achieve it. All right. Well, when it comes to your future, you have to dream big. The bigger, the better. The dream of a better tomorrow starts with a degree from Ashford University. Ashford offers online bachelor's and master's degree programs to allow you to learn on a convenient and flexible schedule. If you're a working adult, this is perfect for you. Expert faculty teaches you real-world skills from real-world experience in online classes. You can learn from home, wherever you feel most comfortable. I don't know. Maybe you can set up shop in your car if you want. Wherever you want to learn from, you can with Ashford. They've got 60-plus programs like business administration, healthcare administration, psychology. You've got 24-7 access, access to your classroom. Daily support and financial aid is available. Ashford gives you the tools you need to help make your dreams a reality. Uh, your, uh, your big tomorrow starts today at Ashford University. There's no fee to apply or standardized testing required to enroll. All you have to do, it's very, very easy. Are you ready? Do you have your pencil? It's ashford.edu slash news. That is ashford.edu slash news. By the way, I just want to make sure everyone knows not every single program that they have is available in all states. So you have to go to ashford.edu slash news to make sure the program you want is available in your state. That is ashford.edu slash news. Uh, Only a couple minutes left here. I'd like to catch the fellows at the table off guard. So a new study from researchers at Harvard reported that people engaging in sex right now should also consider wearing a face mask in addition to other typical preventative measures. So they are giving a new meaning to the term safe sex. Um, I I can't think of anything more romantic than having intercourse with someone staring at you with a giant face mask on. I don't know. 
It's the new paper bag over the head. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is, I I can't believe that we're talking about this. This is a real thing, by the way, a real study. You can read uh, the details at theblaze.com. But I can't believe we're talking about this at a time where people are literally like rioting in the streets and on top of each other all over each other. Coronavirus, apparently not enough of a factor when any of that is happening, but you need to wear a face mask if you are to engage in some sort of intimate activity with the person you freaking live with. That's what I was going to ask you. Is this with your partner that you live with, or is this with strangers? I mean, I guess guess it's, I mean, Oh, you guys live with people? Jason. (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't, and like that would just really help out my social life. Again, like, I've been so excited to just say funny and stupid things the entire time here, Sarah. Thank you so much. You know that the Researchers who did this are ugly, right? And they want to help themselves by putting a mask on. All right, enough. Sarah, I've, I, I, of course, have no opinion on the so-called merits of what's going on here, but, but I, do have, I, do, I, 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 I do have a lot of opinions as to who is funding this research. Um, Thank you. This is Harvard University. Um, <sighs> how is this possibly a useful allocation of precious university resources? And if, if this, by the way, is what higher ed is doing, then that is just yet another argument to defund the entire edifice. Oh, you know there was some ambitious grad student that was like, you know how we can meet chicks? <laughs> Let, let's just get 10 volunteers and we'll all put on masks and see if we get the coronavirus. Can I just, can I just. That's dope, actually. I, That's oh God, here we go with this one. Can I just, I, I find it very interesting. I don't want to bring this topic down, but I find it very interesting that now with this particular topic, researchers are saying that the best option to avoid infection is abstinence. Really? It took you guys the coronavirus to finally <laughs> preach abstinence. Really? Oh, okay, because I was told that we weren't allowed to preach that ever or teach it because people were going to have sex anyway. And uh, now all of a sudden, who knew? Who knew that it was going to take a virus from China to have them actually tell us abstinence is a thing that can happen? I'm going to risk it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I mean, I say that like I can get some. <laughs> I feel like this is a great time to uh, end the show, Jason. Your uh, last last word. I'm going to give you last word. I just thought it was interesting. The, that the married the, man last word. The, yeah. The uh, I'm just going to keep my CPAP mask on. I think I think I'll just do that. <laughs> I think because instead that was like that. So I put that unsexy. on afterwards. Now I'm just going to keep it on. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> They're so loud, and then if they, my dad has one, and then if they, if you lose, like, the the suction on one side and it gets really loud, oh, I don't know how your wife deals with it. <laughs> It'd be kind of cool, though. I don't, I don't know. Well, I'll let you know. I don't need to know that, Jason. That's not something I need to follow up on. Thank you very much. Uh, all right, back in a minute. <laughs> I'll set that one out. <laughs> Do not, in fact, let me know, please. All right. Yesterday's poll. Are you satisfied with how President Trump has responded to the riots, looting and violence on America's streets? Sixty seven percent of you said, yes, you are satisfied with President Trump's response. Thirty nine percent of you uh, almost said, no, you are not that. Look, for these polls, that's that's quite a disparity. I'm just saying that's usually it's a little a little more heavily leaning towards President Trump. So uh, I'm not sure what happened on that one. I know that it did take him a long time to finally come out publicly, make a strong statement. So I don't know if that was what y'all's problem was. but You could criticize that. Yeah. I, I'm happy with not just sending in the troops. Yeah. Although I've seen a lot of people, even people on our side, that have been like, it's time for him to send I mean, I'm getting there. I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there very quickly. I am too. I'm there. 
I am there. too. I'm there. Yeah, just just get it over with. Well, it's not fair to the people who are just trying to live their lives and mind their own business and run their own, you know, livelihoods. Also, like I said, you see a couple of those brick videos and you're like, something else is going on. Get yeah, it over with. Get them get in there. Uh, all right. Today's poll. Which issue will have a bigger impact on the 2020 election? Police brutality protests or the COVID-19 pandemic? Or I just want to just jump off a bridge and <laughs> not participate in the rest of 2020. That's my answer. Anyone else have one? Police brutality protests or COVID-19 pandemic? We got 20 seconds. It's kind of like the correct answer is yes, because um, I think they'll both be used. Um, probably the most recent, though, because everyone forgets the, you know, a week ago, whatever's in there. The poll should be what's next. Yeah. I guess I was going to say, who's yeah. to say something else right. might uh, not come up? I would say COVID just because of China as well. Tied in there. Yeah. Oh, good call. All right. Let us know what you think. You can go to The Blaze's Twitter, at The Blaze. Guys, thanks for being here. Yep.